0: Hello and welcome back to This Septic Isle, the David Gill story. David Gill, the British Tiger King, as we're calling him. Part five. I'm joined as ever by Geordie Paul. Are you excited? Four parts
1: in? Yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to this. You know, I'm sure you've got a nice little happy ending wrapped up for me. There are no happy endings. The the happiest
0: ending was the rhinoceros in part one, because at least for her, it was over quickly. Oh, dear. Yeah, And the sadness begins. It's it's going to be that kind of show. So just a little recap for those of you joining us. Would very much recommend listening to the previous four parts. Otherwise this could get a tad um, confusing. But David Gill has enjoyed a rather affluent lifestyle um, in Britain and Australia. Destroyed many marriages, which were his own. And uh, being recklessly responsible for various animals. Uh, where we left it last time, things were beginning to close in on him. We'd introduced Karen Brewer, Frida Rivera Schreiber, his uh, fourth and I still believe current wife. You know, we were just getting hints last time that some of his old tricks maybe weren't working out anymore. And that's kind of where we left the story off. So without further ado, we've got part five events beyond his control. In 2016, The local authority issued an inspection of the premises prior to renewing Gill's zoo license. Unlike previous years, the seemingly chummy arrangement of sticking with David through his many scrapes seemed to be at an end. The bad publicity generated by the Maclay case was impossible to sweep under the carpet, as was the mounting concern about animal welfare. Photos taken by both members of the public and the Captive Animals Protection Society did the rounds on various social media platforms and showed visibly underfed and
1: unwell creatures in poorly maintained enclosures. Shocked? Do you know what? In some ways, yeah, I'm shocked that it's finally coming back to sort of, you know, bite him on the ass Because, you know, he's got away with this for quite a long time now. It's good, I guess, that, you know, the public's finally starting to latch on. I guess, obviously, you know, we're coming more into more recent history now. So smartphones are more prevalent, etc. So it is easier to sort of catch him out.
0: I suppose that and the fact that uh, by the very nature of a zoo, if you're mistreating the thing that brings you money, the animals you need to be showing that off to keep the money coming in so um you know i'm, I'm sure you or i couldn't look at a tiger and identify that maybe had a dental problem but if we could see its ribs through its its fur you know what i mean i think you know yeah. even the non-zoologists
1: we are could probably look at that and think that's not really uh, how it's you, meant you to look you can tell a tiger yeah you can tell a tiger that's like hobbling and basically passed out well yeah exactly i mean
0: in this case i think it was the giraffes were attracting quite a lot of negative attention Already like damaged a few have not they well, well yeah exactly and uh, you know they were in a barn again having been there you could stand on like a sort of elevated walkway and hand feed them of carrots so you could be right up close so you know if a giraffe's in poor nick you're getting every opportunity to see it
1: well i'm, I'm glad it's finally catching up with them
0: yeah so the investigation was to be carried out by a team of three and seems to be in the most thorough form of scrutiny that the park had ever been subject to upon conclusion The report was published in 2017 and indicated that things were dire. The headline finding was that overall 486 animals died between December 2013 and September 2016, with the welfare of many others being a serious cause for concern.
1: Hypothermia. I mean, that that is a damning report. Yeah, it's a truly damning report. You know, you can have all the friends in the world in high places and all the money. You know, there's no really escaping that, is there?
0: Well, one of the ways he tried to get out of it was saying these are similar mortality rates to Chester and London. Chester and London's animal collections are, I think, between sort of four and six times larger than his. And that would be things like, you know, you'd have a lot of creatures that Gill has as well, or what you'd call, you know, sort of your, your larger animals, so your hoofstock, your big carnivores. You know, he didn't have extensive, like, reptile houses. Whereas if, like, a, a tree frog dies, you think, I'm not saying it's less important because it's a tree frog, but you think, you know, the the wider variety of animals, the wider variety of lifespans in these bigger institutes as well. You know, you think if London Zoo was treating its animals the way David Gill was treating his, you think someone would have twigged onto that by now?
1: Well, yeah, exactly. If I bought 500 hamsters, I could take the best care of them in the world. In three years, I'm going to have to report I've had 500 dead hamsters. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I, I think he's just, it's, it's another example of his sort of
0: disingenuousness. But
1: it's not about the
0: animals. No, although I think it's interesting that he sees himself in the company of London and Chester Zoo, <laughs> probably two most <laughs>
1: prestigious <laughs> institutions in the country for that kind of thing. That, that's the one thing I'm not surprised about that he sees himself as, as equal. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much like Spurs being in the Super League. You know, it's like, <laughs> how did you get here? <laughs> <laughs> it's just saying, so, well, I bet the owners of those he's never shot a rhino on the M32. Uh,
0: I don't know. Daniel Levy's got a look about him. Like, just, you know.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: not saying he has killed a rhino. I'm just saying, you know, if the opportunity came up, if it could guarantee Spurs Champions League football, I think, uh, you know, he'd be rifle in hand marching <laughs> down the M25. Anyway, so lots of dead animals. You know, as I said, start as you mean to go on uh, with this podcast. Looking into some of the reasons, hyperthermia, emaciation, trauma, and a general lack of management did for many animals, as did overcrowded pens that led to fights, that sometimes led to fatal injuries. Something that uh, perfectly encapsulates this is the experience of Pablo, a brown spider monkey, who was attacked by two others of his species and sustained serious facial injuries. He was stitched up, then put in a different pen where he soon died of septicemia. This is just one case. We don't have time to examine all of the findings, but I've collated a few of the more notable events and interesting themes together for something of an overview. So that's what we're going to be looking at at the first part of this episode. Are you excited?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm glad we're not going through all 486 <laughs> cases of animal deaths. Well, that's because something for the paper, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As long as it's at a rate where it can also fund my therapy afterwards. I think you have vastly overestimated our listenership
0: <laughs> in, in, in the numbers of them we have. <laughs>
1: if we can get both of them to contribute. <laughs> Look, if you each donate one pound, we can have two pounds. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, we love you, listener. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so, I mean, it is going to be bleak. We'll obviously try, and you know, be as upbeat as we can. But ultimately, this is a story about a man systematically mismanaging a bunch of animals to death.
1: So, yeah, there's no great way to spin that. There's not. Really I mean, cool. David Gill has tried to spin that well.
0: Yeah.
1: Poor Pablo. I mean, sort
0: of you know all joking aside, that that's awful. By you know, one keeper, I think, was saying that the monkey was essentially, he felt like he was put in a side cage and just out of sight, out of mind.
1: Did the wife, Was the wife one of the ones stitching him up? Like, the untrained wife?
0: I don't think so. I think they only let her near dead animals.
1: Uh, I don't know how much uh.
0: live... I, I, when I've looked into it, I couldn't find anything particularly credible talking mm-hmm. about her performing surgery on live animals. Like I said, I think the issue came from if she was reporting autopsies, you know, to do an autopsy, you have to identify a cause of death, and to identify a cause of death you have to be a vet, and, you know, it sort of, it was coming from that point of view, so Still not good, but she's not, you know, wandering around of like, you know, doing the, the great Cumbrian sewing bee on on some poor animal's face, like
1: yeah, yeah. She probably dealt with Pablo after.
0: Yeah. Oh, Pablo made his way to her area. Yeah, many animals will join Pablo, so I'm, I'm putting it off. But like, let's just let's just fire in. Uh, so, starting out 2012, a flock of sacred ibis had escaped from the zoo, where it appears they were living unconfined now sacred ibis are deemed an invasive species in the uk has been deemed a threat to native wildlife the ibis are supposed to have their wings clipped or surgically treated to prevent flight but gill had neglected to do this because you know of course he had and the birds had report been reported to regularly fly to nearby coastal sites his attempts to rectify his mistake well tell you what you have a guess bunch of animals are loose david gill has got them how do you
1: think he dealt with this I can only guess <laughs> a poorly attempted shotgun. <laughs> yes. I can't cope. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> He's got a bunch of birds and the only fucking thing he has to do is clip their wings. He fails to do that, they <laughs> get loose. So he can go clay pigeon shooting with live sacred ibis. It's, it's, it's so predictable oh, by yeah, this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but also you know last with the rhino there was it's a danger the public no one has been mauled by an ibis no <laughs> but yeah i mean you say a poorly executed shotgun rampage i think you know to give him his dues it was quite a
1: well executed shotgun rampage because he managed to kill 18 of them i mean okay that's quite that's quite impressive Eighteen's a big number i'll give you that i mean i've How done clay pigeon estate? shooting
0: i've done clay pigeon shooting. i normally when you do the rounds of three i can normally sort of get two out of three on a good day so you know that's that's pretty good accuracy on the ibis i suppose
1: if we're looking for balance i I just i can imagine now in my head david gill rocking up at a coastal area with a gun and just shooting
0: i'm just imagining at the end of get carter like just honest i mean this is the thing you said again we're saying escaped right he's basically just
1: let a bunch of free-flying birds that's not so much an escape would I say a pigeon escaped so I brought it home in a crate and just opened the crate?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's like... I, an escape implies that a degree of confinement occurred beforehand.
1: <laughs> escape is a generous term. <laughs> yeah, the birds moved from what one you... <laughs> open plan location to another. <laughs> <laughs> what you did was have free-range birds that you subsequently hunted...
0: <laughs> what you did was released was released an invasive species into the wilds of Cumbria, then got caught, then went on a shooting jolly.
1: <laughs> what happened is you needed something to do on a stag day, so you let some birds out. I do not get the impression David Gill has many, if any, close male friends to go on a stag day with. They, 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 we'll That's a shame he's had so many opportunities to have so many different stag days.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, we said this in the first episode, David Gill has got a big stag-do energy. Like, middle manager mm. who's allowed out once a year
1: and just, you know, cannot pace himself. Maybe he can't have a stag-do, though, because anytime David Gill's around the stag, it dies. So if he's the stag, it's tantamount to suicide.
0: Well, exactly. I mean, you know, anything even animal-themed, you know, will get... That's why he's never driven a Jaguar. You know, it's because... Uh... <laughs> He would be in the awkward position of uh, once he saw his own car outside the zoo, he would have to
1: shoot it. He misfeeds the jaguars and then he puts the wrong sort of petrol in his own jaguar. I mean, you're just talking about mistreating the jaguars. We'll come on to that.
0: Oh, dear. Yeah. So uh, back to the Ibis for now, though. His attempts to rectify his mistake, i.e., the shooting did not prevent him from being convicted of free offenses under the wildlife and countryside act and subsequently fined two thousand pounds personally with a further five thousand pounds going to the zoo five thousand pound fine by the way this incident aside uh, the 2010 seemed to mark something of a shift from chaotic animal escapes and appalling one-off incidents to a general malaise characterized by failures across the board whilst it would take an enormous amount of credulity it would be possible to believe that the bulk of the incidents that had happened up to this point were the result of nothing more than the worst possible luck. But going forward, it's clear they're indicative of a uh, failing somewhere at a fairly senior level. Disinterest, to the point of apathy and an apparent lack of proper funding were enough to create a zoological hellscape. But these issues were magnified even further by a lack of knowledge. The latter may have even been perversely a point of pride if a Facebook post from December 2016 is anything to go by. In it, Gil boasts about his successful management of his rhinoceros herd and neglects to mention either a shooting of Zimba or the death of another rhinoceros who was crushed to death against a barrier. Immediately boasting about rhinoceros care feels like dangerous ground
1: for him to be shredding on. I mean, yeah, we started off sort of with the death of a rhinoceros. It feels sick that, you know, it only takes a few years him to sort of forget about that and be boasting about you know what an absolute kind gentle soul he is around rhinoceroses
0: well let just think about another one dying which i could only find mention of in the daily mail article which showed this facebook post I-, I couldn't actually find much info about the rhino which was crushed to death you think to lose one rhino is careless to lose two is perhaps a sign you shouldn't be looking after rhinos
1: at the very least not boasting about looking after them
0: Right, I mean, do you want to see what what David likes to share with with his peeps on Facebook?
1: Do you know I can't wait for the poor ramblings of a narcissistic sociopath.
0: As I said, I feel that these statuses really demonstrate just how much of a role his ghostwriter played in that book. So, Gil goes on to opine that, I wish that many other zoos would watch and learn from our example, as it's not worth copying books and guidelines if they don't actually work. Real practical animal management with close daily knowledge is the only way to learn it, cannot be learned from a book expert who has never had that experience or guidelines, because guidelines are the compilation of many methods. And in my opinion, you simply do not listen to people who have had far less success than you at any aspect of life. I I tried to sum up the tone. I imagine him frantically bashing that out at one in the
1: morning with a glass of scotch next to him. Look, I'm not reading this. You know, I've just heard you say it. But I can promise you there's not a full stop in there, is there?
0: No, there is not. There's some (laughs) (laughs) ellipses. Apparently serving the same purpose, because why have one when you can have three? (laughs) That's his policy of the body of an animal. Why why have one death when you can have three? I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, for a start, I don't think David Gill knows how books work.
1: No. Which is a lot of
0: them, considering he's written one.
1: There's allegedly written one. Um, been involved, been around the process of a book being written. <laughs> he went to the printing press. David, you are our um, best source material. <laughs> I mean, it is just this sort of unhinged rambling. Well, like you said, like I think this is where his truest self comes out, you know, away from the press releases. But, you know, he still must be confident in it to be able to say it, you know, on a public forum... Sort of, was this a Facebook page? Was it his personal Facebook no, this account or personal, or was this a page yeah. I mean,
0: this is the same one in which we know we found David Gill's opinion on, quote, the gaze." Compared to that, this is kind of a step in the right direction, like a weird Karen rant about rhinoceros management.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do quite appreciate how I'm not sure he understands how Facebook works, because I don't think he thinks people can see that.
0: I'd imagine that, you know, it. it is like all of us to an extent, particularly a more private form of social media like Facebook as opposed to Twitter. You know, we are in our little echo chambers, aren't we? So he's probably looking for that positive reinforcement of, oh, Dave, you know, what a hero, what an animal wrangler, what a stud, you know, like all that, all that bollocks.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: But going, going back for a bit more of a an analysis of this, it's not worth copying books and guidelines if they don't work. Fair enough. Real practical animal management of close daily knowledge is the only way to learn it. I would say that the multiple universities offering zoology courses probably would disagree with you on that one. It cannot be learned from a book expert who's never had that experience or guidelines. Again, you know, I wouldn't claim to be an expert on this topic, but I've read multiple books by people who work in zoos, conservation, animal management.
1: Those books exist. Yeah, it is, you know, you can get the practical experience and write a book about it, surely. I mean, because arguably that's what David Dill said he's done himself. It's it's bizarre. I feel it's sort of a general railing
0: against what he sees as the establishment. Interesting timing that uh, 2016 is when David's had enough of experts, but we, we won't dive into that. You know, just even ask, but people have had far less success than you than any aspect of life.
1: Yeah, you that know, is so- strange. I guess, you know, he does have more like rhino kills under his belt than other people. But so any aspect. So you're you're saying that you
0: know if you've got an incredible neurosurgeon who's had three failed marriages, you wouldn't let him operate on you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: These bizarre absolutes that he seems to jump to.
1: Yeah, like, oh, you know, he's absolutely incredible as an engineer, but, you know, he's in the B team for rugby, so he's not designing that nuclear (laughs) reactor.
0: Yeah, what we're really looking like is Steve, he kicks 40 points a game, and um, (laughs) he didn't break his last Lego set, so we're feeling really optimistic. (laughs) Come for the animal murder, stay for the uh, poorly thought-free rugby opinions. (laughs) Just wait until we move on to the next one. Let's have a a quick look. So, yeah, that's David on Facebook doing a little bit of a defiance against the man. Now, regardless of its accuracy, this post does at least indicate a degree of enthusiasm for his venture. So it is a mystery why a man of Gill's supposed means would apparently pull the plug financially on a venture that was both his baby and his greatest source of income. But the tales of food having to be scrounged in the local Tesco's by keepers, and we covered that in part three, would point towards an institution that was no longer receiving the necessary funding. It's unclear what precipitated this shift. It's been difficult to get reliable information on Gill's wealth. I've i seen a bit of a scroll for a company's house. It's um, hard to follow at best. Yeah. Um, and particularly with the number of times that he reproposed boards and leadership teams for businesses with himself and Brewerin uh later Frida Rivera Schreiber in various officer positions it, it felt very much like a sort of shuffling of a pack and it, it it's hard to get much concrete financial information on him. I mean a newspaper particularly tabloid reports in this period still referred to him as a millionaire but in 2018 he said in an interview that he had a large amount of debt and his financial situation was partially dependent on the zoo's performance picking up again you know you look at the size of the uh the fine it to pay in the Maclay case the multitude of smaller fines his little Ibis shooting spree, you know, that costume. It does add up. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely. It's a bit like, you know, you, you or I might try and save on money by not buying a coffee on the way to work. He I might save on money by not shooting a leopard that month. You know, it's a, yeah.
1: You know, oh, what do you mean? I can't get divorced this month. <laughs> <laughs> oh God.
0: I'm going to have to put a hold on the teenagers I was planning on hiring. <laughs>
1: He's such a dirt bag. <laughs> it's scummy scummy David Gill oh David I mean you're bringing us joy but you've brought misery to so many others yeah I mean I'm, I, I'm not sure joy is the right word to bring to me a sort <laughs> of happy sadness in the same way you'd watch a horror film <laughs> the vicarious pleasure of Gill <laughs>
0: now As mentioned earlier, one thing that does seem to have coincided with this period of relative poverty in terms of his budget was the elevation of Karen Brewer. Uh, We'll go on this a bit later, but it feels that, you know, Brewer's rise appears to initially have been with Kill's Blessing and later been in a more adversarial type of role.
1: I'm still waiting for them to have a street fight. You're going to be disappointed. If it did happen, they covered it up very well. They're not capable of that.
0: Also, I'm just throwing out, they couldn't have had a street fight because the zoo has no streets, and any enemy from the zoo outside of it
1: would end (laughs) up being shot. I mean, yeah, I'd offer to put them in a barrier to like for a fight, but you know, they'd just get out of the barriers. There's no way of keeping them in.
0: All I'm saying is, David Gill's uh, construction methods leave a lot to be desired. I don't think, you know, WWE getting him to build the octagon anytime soon. Like (laughs) He's got limitations, as do we all, but you know, He rails against them
1: more than most of us. (laughs) He's less willing to accept them, which sounds like a compliment, but I promise you it's not.
0: Much of the animals are unwilling to accept the limitations that he
1: places on them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is a cage. You going to fucking bet? (laughs) (laughs) David, you... You dangerous, dangerous man. Right. Some of the reports, findings may help provide an insight into incidents which had happened years previously. So, you know, these long held questions of why did that animal die? Why did that animal die? And is that animal dead? Yes, it is. These are answers that are being potentially provided. So, in 2015, much like in 2002, South Lakes found itself with multiple dead giraffes. One was finished off by a gastrointestinal infection, while the other, in true South Lakes tradition, was shot. Brilliant. the latter was Brilliant. put Brilliant down this as... yeah yeah i mean just you know we were we were having a bit of fun so i felt obviously i need to insert into the conversation more
1: dead animals because um you bring know. the meat down an animal was shot and his new wife cut it open yeah yeah in the uh,
0: in the meat prep area obs well at least i don't need to go to Tesco this week yeah i mean to be fair that is something which actually hasn't been mentioned you know, because I know there was that, that huge controversy in Denmark when they uh, they culled that young giraffe and fed it to the lions. But that doesn't seem to have been something South Lakes were doing. Or if it, it's definitely something I've found no evidence of or any inclinations. Yeah,
1: they... yeah. And do you think some of the stuff the staff were saying, they weren't afraid to hold back? You wonder if maybe they were in such a state after Frida had, had a way with them, that they were actually inedible. I genuinely don't know. I've, I've not seen, I couldn't find any
0: images. And to be honest, once you Google, you know, giraffe autopsy, you don't really want to dive too deep into uh,
1: into what's coming up there. No, that's a bit far even for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I watched Inside Nature's Giants. It was, a, it was a weird series. Do you never see, have you never watched
1: that? No, I've, I've never seen that before.
0: Oh, it was the yeah, Channel 4 did this thing where basically they like filmed the autopsies of large animals. And broadcast. it was really odd why would you do that no one wants that about 10 years ago yeah they were just like they do this whole thing where you'd see like 20 minutes and be like this is the animal there's some footage of it in the wild and here's a dead one in a warehouse for a team of vets <laughs> 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 it's just I anything mean, really <laughs> I don't know if David was involved you you in any have...
1: capacity how much do you think you'd have to pay David Atherton as a narrator I, I would think Davier would see that as beneath him if you promise to solve climate change, you might do that.
0: Oh, I reckon, yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: Well, there you go, guys. Give us enough money to pay off David Attenborough, I mean, and we d- will get him to narrate. David Attenborough Lord did
0: also. once buy a baby orangutan for a bargain, which included a packet of cigarettes. So you know, he's not above this stuff. If you ever find it, um, there's a series called Zoo Quest, which was his first ever nature documentary. It was basically him going to Borneo acquiring animals for London Zoo. And uh, yeah. it was a different time. It was the 50s, you know. It was... Yeah, that is a different time. <laughs> like, it was... Young David Attenborough had some different views. <laughs> like... <laughs> like You know, two things about young David Attenborough one, he is really fit. And two, I... like he is not above buying animals from natives. I have seen sexy, sexy young David Attenborough, to be <laughs> Yeah, if sexy Attenborough came up at you with a glisten in his eye and a pack of tabs, you'd hand over an orangutan
1: absolutely not even a question i'd invite him for dinner as well
0: we'll drink to our success david and then we'll dance into the night (laughs) a david we actually love yeah a david whose net contribution towards animals has been a positive (laughs) (laughs) right okay this second giraffe was shot the latter was put down in this way after collapsing and the best efforts of the zoo staff had not been able to get it back on its feet now, the key difference was that in 2002, there had not been a proper explanation, Was with the investigation, there was no need to just take the zoo's word for what had happened. Veterinary examinations and veterinary, not Frieda Rivera Schreiber, with her online diploma from Ernie's College of in vet skills. These are independent, proper people. These are like qualified, trained vets who aren't operating
1: out of an industrial kitchen. Well, I mean, they are when, you know, they're in that zoo but no apparently, i think i think south Lakes did have veterinary facilities i think she just wasn't using them she chose not oh, wow that makes it worse
0: <laughs> i'm fairly sure i could be I could be wrong but i'm fairly sure there was a degree of choice i mean to be me honest, not as great it's either you don't have vet facilities or you do but they're so shoddy the kitchen is better or this woman is so eccentric in her working practices that she prefers like the... pick pick one because none is good yeah,
1: I'm not, I don't like this, again. <laughs> <laughs> it's we're a your own territory. adventure. <laughs> <laughs> so, vet
0: examinations by vets of the surviving members of the herd revealed that their condition was similar to that of their herd mates at the point they had passed away. Further concerns were raised about the concrete floor of the giraffe house being both slippery underfoot, for animals that can at times be somewhat ungainly, and a poor conductor of heat, which would help contribute to the illnesses. It was on this concrete floor
1: that the eight-year-old bull who was shot had been collapsed. Yeah, that feels like the opposite of an ideal material. Like, like you said, cold, like also hard. So if you fall down, you know that is you're taking a bit of like, especially a giraffe from all the way up there. Cold, hard, and slippery.
0: Bit like David Gill. This floor is you call a visual yeah.
1: metaphor. Yeah, that's the worst thing you've said, yeah. <laughs> fuck, all, fuck all the death. This is the worst thing you've said. This is what he tries to sue us over. <laughs> <laughs> this is the limit. <laughs> I may be cold and hard, but I'll be damned if I let them get away with calling me slippery. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if anything, as you've evidenced, James, in the last four episodes, I've been shockingly easy to
1: catch out. <laughs> What if in the court case you have to prove that he's hard? I'm not going to appreciate that
0: one. I don't know. I mean, I would uh, probably, you know, take him on a tour of uh, the accommodation for first-year university students. That's his demographic, right? <laughs> <laughs> Christ. Right. I mean, I'm not being oh. funny, but out of the two of uh, me and him, I didn't marry a teenager. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, oh, don't worry, like, I'm not saying you don't. My have to second modify, marriage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who I ruined my first for.
1: Oh, dear. <laughs> creepy, creepy age differences.
0: Uh David Gill. Try it, David. Try suing us. See how that works <laughs> out for you. I have got jack shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to
0: be honest, it would be worth more to me in the publicity alone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh
0: dear. I have no alimony money to gamble can you say the same
1: <laughs> <laughs> and when we win the case I want one of the drafts.
0: Yeah, want to ride it around Newcastle <laughs>
1: oh god no that's what he would do
0: oh god <laughs> uh, but seriously David if you are listening you are a bad human being and you need to take a long hard look at yourself so moving on to the list of dead animals, uh, another fatality was an African spurred tortoise named Goliath, who had died when he was, exec- uh, when he was, when he was executed. Uh, no, but he was electrocuted by the fence of his enclosure, but at least his death was quick. Two of his fellows had to suffer the slower fate of essentially freezing to death. And this was due to David Gill's unwillingness to listen to so-called expert advice. You see, as you're probably aware of, tortoises are cold-blooded creatures, needing an external source of heat to stay alive. And this is the reason that other zoos, run by people at least approaching sanity, keep them indoors in heated houses.
1: Other was, zoos? N- normal families do that. Just you know, I've people. Been to people's houses before, yeah, and there's like a tortoise enclosed, like a little lamp on it. Yeah, just, you know, like humans who've
0: read one of those books by so-called experts or... But, you know, in David's world, Georgie, you have to try keeping the tortoises outside, and only after that fails have you gained the necessary expertise.
1: To learn that doesn't work. This is practical, hands-on skills that you don't learn other ways. (laughs) I should have taught us in a freezer and it died, but I learned a lesson. (laughs) You couldn't have told me that. Who would have known what would have happened if I hadn't done it? What can I say? I'm just a very visual learner. I don't learn until I see a corpse. (laughs) And if I don't see one, I create one because I'm about (laughs) pursuing learning opportunities. (laughs) This oh. is a university. We're doing research. I've been in touch with the Russell Group. It was due to Gill's insistence
0: they'd be fine in an outdoor enclosure as it was the summer that this did not happen. Now, anyone who's visited Lake District in the summertime can testify to the stupidity of this statement. So, you know, David Gill just thinks you can keep reptiles outdoors in a cold environment and they will be
1: okay. That's yeah, it. that's so stupid. I remember doing this, like, pre-GCSE science. Yeah, this was not impressive. Yeah, this was, this was, like, pretty low stuff. You've not impressed me so far. I
0: mean, you're saying me. Realistically, I have collated this information. I, I wasn't the tortoise murderer of Cumbria.
1: Okay, but you could have got me a nicer person. I mean, we wouldn't have been able to make a podcast about it, but I would have been happier. Yeah, sorry.
0: Now, <laughs> on the subject of things that won't cheer you up at all, in December 2016, seven wallabies died, along with Ugh, a pheasant and a guam, no. which is a type of tropical bird. One of the wallabies had marks on its tail, consistent with rats starting to
1: eat it whilst it was still alive. Jeez, this is just inhumane and horrible, and <laughs> really, yeah, it's, really it's, sad. Like, there's not even a joke at this point. This is fucking just, you know, awful. this is evil. Like, you, yeah. just, you know, and you know, the, the other thing is the
0: the lack of energy that animal must have had. To be in that state of apathy, or conversely, the unregulated nature of its sleeping quarters for the rats to be able to predate it on it while it slept. Yeah. And, it's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you look at that and you just think we've been sort of laughing and joking, but the visual evidence of neglecting, even if some of these people were not what would normally be considered animal management professionals. If an animal's got chunks missing from it, anyone who's owned a pet can tell you. You know, you you learn to sort of recognize it's, you know, its little vagaries and it's got this and you know, you know, it's it's got a little scratch on its ear or whatever and you keep an eye on it. It's, this thing's had rats gnawing its tail off.
1: Yeah, this is beyond an experience. This goes to you know, rampant cost cost cutting. Sorry. Yeah, it's, and, it's either indifference or cruelty. Take your pick. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I hope it was cost cutting. And not sort of an active nasty streak within the zoo star. Yeah, I don't think it was that, to be to, to be fair. You
0: know, I, there is nothing I've read which has in any way indicated that is something that these, these people were doing. Even David Gill with his penchant for shooting, I don't think was in the idea of torturing animals. You know, like that is yeah, that is genuine sort of psychopath behaviour.
1: I I think there's only
0: one rung down it's it's not good um it's not good but I I feel you know even for this you know abysmal institution that there there is nothing that would make me of the opinion that this was being done deliberately or to prove Mm -hmm. a point or to punish the animal or anything like that in some ways this makes it even sadder to be you know the idea that this is people who are If not doing their best, then at least trying to some degree. Yeah. Now, you remember earlier we talked about David Gill and his Jaguar and how he could never have a car that was one? Yeah, yeah. He did have several big cats were once. And big cats seem to have suffered especially with some of the most gruesome findings involving them. One Jaguar named Saka suffered an injury to its paw, which was left untreated, leaving the poor animal in so much pain it decided to chew its own foot off jesus fucking christ yeah so the official that must line, have been agony yeah i mean that is like what 127 hours basically but with a big cat yeah. you know you, you hear animals doing it in the wild and their foot's caught in a snare so it, it is something that you know can happen but animals are not dumb not in that way you know it, it would realize what it was doing yeah oh yeah so yeah i'm just gonna carry on you know the official line was that the initial injury had come from another jaguar the official report found that they, too, had suffered poor injuries caused by a combination of broken glass in their enclosure, loose wires in their house, and nails sticking out of the poles they had to scale at feeding time. Yeah,
1: it's just negligence constant To insane levels. Yeah, to like unbelievable levels. Like know, nails I'm... sticking out of... Climbing poles. So,
0: I think as I've mentioned, I've been to that zoo before, and one of the things that was, you know, a big attraction was they, they'd have like a sort of telegraph type pole, big old yeah. caber, and someone in a ladder would put like a, a, a chicken or like a slab of beef on top, and then they'd unleash the cats and they'd sort of race up the pole and, you know, grab the meat off the top. And it's very impressive, you know, they're, they're phenomenal animals, but you think that pole is there, you know, someone's going up and down on a ladder. It's being maintained. Watch. It's something that a person is spending time around. I refuse to believe no one noticed there was nails in that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. You know. I just. I can't see how you would be unaware. You know that that, that was um, that that was something that was a potential risk. It's like you said. It's just that negligence, laziness. You know. Call it what it is. Yeah. But to me, I think it's just. It's yet another example of the uh, the absolute uh, you know, just shambles that was going on there. Yeah, just dreadful. Yeah, honestly. Now, further tragedy concerned the death of two snow leopard cubs found dead and partially eaten in their enclosure. An initial suspicion was poisoning, but that was subsequently ruled out through blood tests, although a proper post-mortem never took place. The zoo later attributed the deaths to bad meat and the corpses being devoured to survival of the fittest.
1: That's a normal thing that normal professionals say. Yeah. Who do they think that bullshit? You can't just say survival of the fittest.
0: That was said to a Guardian reporter. And you know that Guardian lengthy article they did um, where they sort of sent an investigative reporter up to Cumbria? To, uh, that was said by the, uh, I think she's the head of the big cat section.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, sounds like, that sounds like a knowledgeable person.
0: Yaz Walker, I
1: believe the lady's name is. Well, cheers, Yaz. You sound like, you sound like you should know exactly what's going on, yeah. and you know it's absolutely normal for big cats to be dropping off your zoo.
0: Well, it is very mammals don't eat their young in normal circumstances.
1: No, nah. you know, stress, Starving, maybe
0: starvation, fear. It's not considered regular behaviour. Even sort of smaller creatures like rats, but particularly. From an evolutionary point of view, something like an apex predator, which has a longer gestation cycle, biologically, it's programmed to protect those young because it's not going to have that many of them. Yeah. So, you know, you think how hungry it must have been to have done that,
1: or how it, panicked, or how out of its mind. Yeah. Exactly. Just vile, terrible, scary. Yep. Please shut. Please stop the zoo. Yep. Please ban everyone involved in owning animals. Yep. Yeah.
0: You ready for more? Yeah. Seven lion cubs, all fit and healthy, were killed at just four days old, as Gil oh, thought there off. was not enough space for them.
1: Oh, fuck off. It, it's not not enough enough off. space
0: lot. Can't days you old? send
1: them... Like, so many zoos would probably want
0: lion cubs. Yeah, I mean, lions are quite easy to breed in captivity, but even... To... At four days, I don't believe the rehousing efforts have been
1: thoroughly looked into. No. But there's no way that, you know, you've exhausted all your options when that are is
0: Even if you know when it's not enough, did you need to get rid of all seven yeah. as well? And, again, if there's not enough room and you know that that early, why is that animal not on birth control?
1: Yeah, but you've allowed it to get to that state. Well, like why is the male not being...
0: Why is the male not being neutered?
1: Because that would make sense that would be something a competent zoo owner would do because
0: david gill's masculinity is so fragile it extends to the testicles of animals maybe
1: he wouldn't surprise
0: me but you, you know it just it seems like just such a no you might well have not been able to rehouse them i am aware that sort of certain big cats um you know there's a guy called jeremy keeling who's one of the fans of monkey world and um i remember reading his book and he said that a private zoo he worked for was struggling was shutting down and he said you know he he rehoused the great apes quite easily and sort of some of the exotic birds and he said this was in the 80s i think he had a real struggle rehousing a tiger Mm -hmm. um and he said he was literally getting to the point where you know he was ring zoos sort of outside of the british isles like in france and germany and you know trying to speak and he said he, he couldn't and the animal ended up having to be put down but reading the way he spoke about it of you know months of work paying for the animal's food out of his own pocket, eventually having it put down, you know, weeping openly. That is a man who I genuinely believe did all he could and was forced into a horrible choice, for which yeah. I do not judge him. Th- that's someone who who later opened an animal sanctuary and saved the lives of thousands of primates. This is a man cutting them off at four day... You know, by its very nature, animal management is a profession where hard choices are necessary. And yet, I just feel that David Gill leans into the hard choices far more quickly and that they don't seem to be as hard for him as they do for some other people.
1: Yeah, it's much more of an enthusiastic bounds into, you know, hard choices.
0: Like, like I said, you, you, you read that heart-rending account of, of a man doing all he could to save a creature and David, you know, just not even giving them a week. Mm-mm. You just look at it and you, you think, how much of this was just done on reckless impulse? I mean that is his specialty. Yeah, but yeah, so no efforts to rehouse them now. Padang, the tiger who killed Sarah McClay, was another victim of Gill's trigger happy policy. Not that he would admit it. The official line was that veterinary advice had been taken, and that as Padang was fourteen, and male Sumatran tigers rarely if ever lived that long in the wild, it made sense to kill him now, as there was the likelihood of complications. Now, if you're thinking this sounds like bollocks, you'll be pleased to know the official report agrees with you as their findings were that Gill issued the order for Pedang to be put down, and it included no notes for the reason.
1: I mean, yeah, that is utter nonsense. I mean, you know, there's likelihood of complications with anything like that age. You know, likelihoods isn't necessarily a good reason. Tig- I also appreciate it's, the tiger killed Sarah McClay, and he kept it alive. It got a couple of years older, put straight down.
0: Yeah, I. they're an endangered species, and... Also, you know, male tiger, it would still remain fertile, you know, you think you, you basically killed a, a proven breeding specimen of an mm. animal of which we have, I think, less than a thousand.
1: Well done. Yeah, like, I hope you feel proud. I'm, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does feel proud. Well, if, if Facebook posts or anything to know
0: by, we've learned two things. He hates the gays and he feels proud. But mm. yeah, probably hates pride. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe feels like <laughs> the word pride has been appropriated. <laughs> it should only apply to me, so not reading books.
0: <laughs> it's me about books, and it's lions in a group, but in a smaller group because I've killed their kids. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. It, it used to be a pride of lions. Yeah, it's more of a pro now. I mean, yeah, no, so this is every pride he hates except his own. hates pride when it's gays hates pride when it's lions, because that means there's too many of them. Jesus
0: Christ. So another Sumatran tiger named Alicia was reportedly seen choking by a member of the public and had died shortly afterwards. Yaz Walker, the keeper in charge of Big Cats, was by this stage
1: also one of the directors of the zoo. Go on, big survival of the fittest, Yaz Walker. Yep. You bitch. <laughs> well,
0: I uh, I disagree with her on professional grounds. And I'm not a professional Uh, in this industry. So, you know, I feel like it's like a lot of things, you know, if you're a professional in a particular area and a non-professional can spot your mistakes, you're probably making some bad mistakes. You know, it's like, I would never ever assume that I could manage a Premier League football team. But Occasionally, you know, you'll see a transfer or you'll watch a tactical decision and you'll just look good. There was 40,000 people in that stadium who knew that wasn't going to go well. Yeah. And yet the only
1: one who couldn't see that was the one in charge of making it. Like, and it's it, just a bit more sad when it's a zoo because that leads into that like, death.
0: Yeah, you yeah, know, like when Sunderland signed Jolie and Lescott, like, it wasn't responsible for a series of big cats dying. He was just like a bit of shit and quite old. It was just a bit annoying for the fact Yeah, it was just like there's a bit of a waste of money, like <laughs> don't need another centre back. Oh yeah. Now, back to uh, things to make you feel cheerful. Culling did not just extend to the cats, with the troop of baboons being regularly subjected to having their numbers thinned when babies were born. There appears to be no no effort to neuter or spay adults to prevent this, quite the reverse, as the presence of adorable baby monkeys was more commercially viable, and the preferred method of population control appeared to be simply to dispose of the less cuddly adults when space became an issue.
1: Lovely stuff. You know, this is a repeated pattern in zoos. You know, obviously, you've got to keep the babies because people will pay to cuddle them.
0: Yeah, I feel, you know, most others at least made some effort to move away from this in the 80s and 90s.
1: Yeah. But
0: David Gill is nothing if not traditionalist. Yeah. So James Potter, the whistleblowing keeper, said, There was a chaotic atmosphere. Breeding and culling would go in cycles if adult baboons could make culled to make room for cuter babies. I'd come into work and be told, you've got to drop some of the food because we've culled them. They're not so keen on baby animals once they grow up. They cost.
1: Yeah, but they need more foods. They're less cute. So yeah, I guess if you see the animals as objects, you'd yep. get rid of them, wouldn't you? Yes, you would. Because, you know, David Gill. <laughs> because
0: he's just deeply unpleasant. Yeah, I mean, At this point, you think get the impression Brewer was at least partially responsible, more for the sort of weird zoo-type austerity,
1: Mm. because
0: Potter reports being sort of castigated by Brewer for his attitude of, we should at least try and keep some of the animals alive. And again, this sort of tightening of the purse string seems to coincide with her reigns. I think as she gained more control, David became less willing to fund, and she was not somebody with independent wealth. Mm. so her basically uh, her bid for power essentially turned off the gill tab and she had nothing to replace it with yeah yeah <laughs> so the cuteness factor was not a guarantee a lack of genetic diversity and possible inbreeding meant there were babies being born of significant facial deformities some apparently to the point where the animals had trouble breathing baboons were not the only primates for whom things had gone wrong the cause of death for a squirrel or a monkey remains unknown to this day. Normal procedure would have been to carry out an autopsy, but this was rendered impossible due to the fact that its corpse had been stuck behind a radiator and was actively decomposing. They only found him when he had started to smell.
1: That, fate... That's fucking disgusting. Yeah. That's really horrible. Yeah. They, they missed it. Aren't they meant to count the animals every day?
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know about every day, but they're definitely meant to stock takes.
1: Yeah, at least semi, not to the point where you don't smell the animal fur. That's not your like first warning John Who's cleaning these radiators? Yeah,
0: like you know, if if you can't notice an entire dead primate stuck behind the back of it, like I spotted a sock that I dropped behind the back of the radiator the other day.
1: Yeah. How big is a squirrel monkey? Do you know?
0: Yeah, so they're like the um, they've got that sort of greenish body and sort of the orange face, like the white and black markings. Um, I'm trying to think there's one that's famous in a film.
1: Um, are they closer to a squirrel or a monkey in terms of size? Close to a monkey. Uh, the South American, you'd
0: recognize one if you saw it. Uh, yeah, you know, that you'd see them in sort of nature documentaries like background of a film set in South America. Um, slightly smaller than a
1: capuchin, if you know what that is. That's yeah, the yeah. monkey and pirates of the caribbean so but like, we're not talking you know like a hamster stuck behind the way yeah not like a little marmoset you you know, yeah
0: it, it's body is probably about the size of a a pet rabbit give
1: or take mm-hmm.
0: you know so not a, not an insignificantly sized animal
1: yeah like oh. you'd notice if your rabbit was gone yeah I will, absolutely I'd notice if I was a rabbit behind the back of my radio right now. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine you would. Um, but that's why you're not working at South Lake Zoo. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Now, the fate of three other squirrel monkeys is unknown after they were stolen in
1: 2015. Just, you know, just another... Just, yeah, just, just write that up. Like, I mean, if you're working in a supermarket you might write off a bit of stock loss like that. Let's like theft, you know. That's a really standard thing. Like, oh, you know, we lose 5% of our stock to theft. We just don't it. do that if you're talking about squirrel monkeys. Or oh, many
0: animals. I mean, you know, it's not even cattle rustling. It's like monkey rustling. Like That's got to be like a specialist skill set. Yeah, like, who wants them? Well, I saw squirrel monkeys on a beach in Costa Rica. They are very agile. Hmm. But in answer to that question, you know, I kind of want one. <laughs> Not That's off. why in 2015 I met a man in a pub car park
1: <laughs> And the, the stories they told the me have been the basis now. for this podcast <laughs> <laughs> I originally went to buy a stolen squirrel monkey But I found a much nobler course <laughs> They're very convincing
0: They're crude drawings on the paper, I interpret as facts about <laughs> David Gill oh. I mean, to be fair, we mock, but they are, you know, it's probably about the the level of literacy the first draft of his book was. (laughs) Same as monkey shit daubings. Right. Okay. So the following is a quote from the official report. Now, this is in relation to uh, the various things that we've read about, plus some others. So. The causes of these deaths can be laid either directly or indirectly upon the modus operandi of South Lake Safari Zoo under the direction of DG David Gill. The way these animals have been housed, treated, and looked after is typical of the poor levels of management that the inspection team have found when the zoo was under South Lake Safari Zoo management and can without any doubt lay the entire blame at his door. The conditions that these animals are being maintained in is, quite frankly, appalling and shocking has led directly to the death of a number of them it falls far below the standards required and is indicative of the lack of suitability for DG David Gill to hold a zoo license I mean that's quite damning I it's appreciate that at least fairly conclusive and uh, yeah. if you're still listening David's lawyers good luck getting out of that one
1: Yeah, that's just an official report. We can't do anything about that.
0: Yeah, we just agree with the official report that uh, your client is unfit to run a
1: zoo. I like experts, what can I say?
0: Yeah, and then we agree with the unofficial report we did off-air, which is that uh, he maybe should give marriage counselling a try.
1: (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong.
0: Look, she wasn't technically a child bride, so he did nothing illegal, so it's fine.
1: No, I mean, legally, you're absolutely sound in that regard. You know, morally, you're dreadful. Yeah, in the eyes of the law, David Gill is not a predator. Mm.
0: And that's all I'm comfortable saying on that subject. Yeah, absolutely.
1: We agree. Yeah, good, 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 good and cool and fun. Now back to the official report that, you know, so, says he's a piece unable of shit. to hold a... his. <laughs> yeah. He, he might as well have just been be a drawing a of his license. face
0: <laughs> with a red circle drawn around and a line through it. Mm. <laughs> so a line that gills always maintained is that he was unaware of the suffering going on and tends to lay the blame at the feet of his underlings saying it was their responsibility and compares expecting him to know about these things as being as unreasonable as thinking richard branson knows what's happening on an individual virgin train interesting he would compare himself
1: to richard branson weird weird comparison you know this was one Yeah, it's not, not you know that's not a lot. And I mean, quite frankly, if Virgin Trains were crashing every week, I would actually expect Richard Branson to know about that. Also, if, if Richard people Branson were dying... was living on the Virgin Train, as Gil
0: lived on yeah. the zoo grave, if, if Richard Branson slept in one of the compartments, I'd imagine it'd be fairly plugged
1: in. <laughs> what an idiot. He's just a, he's a fucking idiot. It's such an oaf. <laughs> he can hit yeah. Like, every time
0: he has to try and provide an explanation or an analysis and the bluster drops, you just, you you do realise that, like... He's just, he's a slowly. It's just sort of raw charisma and determination has sort of carried him through, rather than any particular sense of planning. Mm. Strength of will and an ability to come across well in one-on-one situations seem to be, like, two of his biggest selling points but you know the, the he's not some strategic well, it's not managing
1: guy. animals that's for oh, sure.
0: yeah yeah <laughs> i think if there's one thing this podcast has really illustrated and this is backed up by the official report is that david gill <laughs> has what was it a lack of
1: suitability to hold a zoo license i yeah i just like point. that again from the from the <laughs> official report a lack of suitability for david gill to hold a zoo license
0: now, the report appears to ruin his version of distance management style untrue, as does his bragging Facebook post mentioning his hands-on management of white rhinoceros. And uh, applies that he was in a very much involved capacity. An article about the findings uh, in the Northwest Evening Mail quotes that animals kept in areas managed by controversial site owner David Gill were beset with significant problems that had led directly to the deaths of a number of exhibits.
1: Yeah. In the yeah, face, I mean something? I do the one thing I do appreciate is kind of piling up against him now. I do like that. Yeah. Piling up like the bodies of the animals he shot. I mean, yeah, it only took a few, you know, dead animals, but Yeah. Hell of a rock he could put together. Christ. <laughs> Cruella de
0: Gill. <laughs> how did that take us five episodes i'm so sad i've come up with all the titles now yeah that's really that would be incredible god damn it right back to the podcast if it's less less impressive title so In the face of such damning evidence, the council was left with no choice, and for the first time since 1994, David Gill found himself in a position where he was forbidden from running a zoo. By this point, he was genuinely away from frontline management, with the day-to-day being handled by Brewer and the pair only communicating through their lawyers. Brewer went as far as to indicate Gill would only be allowed on the premises if she was present. These findings can only have strengthened her position, and with the report pinning the blame on Gill, the way was paved for her to assume full control. So, as I've said, you know, there's no clear moment where she like, ousts him. But she slowly seems to sort of ease herself
1: into a position of greater and greater influence. Yeah, chips away at him in order to put herself on top.
0: Yeah, yeah. She sort of capitalises on these failures, and so I think she's a bit a bit calmer, um, you know, maybe a bit less prone to impulsivity. To the best of my knowledge, she's not broken of a marriage to shag up
1: a teenage boy. You know, I just... mean, I guess, you know, they probably are looking for someone, you know, they're not going to close the zoo because that would be, you know, they've had trouble rehousing the animals. So well, I guess it is better for the council to, you know, transfer the zoo to someone else. That and again is you know, you know, still the provision
0: of both jobs and tourism.
1: Because, yeah. you,
0: you know, if you're the council, you're thinking, we just need to turn this round. We don't need to shut this down.
1: Yeah, what, what we don't want is sort of, you know, an empty zoo and tigers on the loose. And no, less jobs when leaf. you're up for re election. I mean I think, Geordie, if if you know one thing about what you've learned so far throughout
0: this, those animals are not making it out. Either they're going to another zoo
1: or they're getting gilled. But Put one step off the premises and bang.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I mean, joking aside though, you know, the the importance of the local economy is such that uh I don't think they could allow it to shut down.
1: No, that that just can't happen.
0: Yeah. Ownership of the zoo is currently with, the Cumbria zoo Limit, uh, with Cumbria Zoo Company Limited, sorry, an entity founded in 2016 with Brewer as director from day one and a zoo license in her name. It is unclear exactly how this company is being funded. In March 2017, Brewer told the council that they didn't have a penny in the bank. Now, this being despite the fact that a license alone cost £7,900 and an additional maintenance charge of £1,111. Now, that's just for the license. That's aside from the upkeep costs, staff wages, and any other expenses that could arise. It's fair to assume that none of the new directors were digging into their pockets, as aside from Brewer and Walker, others included the maintenance manager and the head of the zoo's Africa section.
1: Yeah, that's not, you know, that's just filling out the board of directors, really, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I don't think these people are going to be, you know, like really struggling as sort of senior zookeepers. I'd imagine a, a decent... Wage, but you know, not, not to the extent where they they could have accrued the kind of wealth to to fund this. Mm. You're imagining sort of mid twenties, low thirties type of salary. Yeah, very good jobs to have, but not at the point where you're buying million, multi million pound businesses. No, no, not at all. Brew is probably on the most, and again, you know, I, I I'd be surprised if her salary was six figures.
1: Yeah. So yeah, um, they're, they're certainly not keeping it afloat by themselves. Yeah. So I'm assuming you're about to tell me where well, you think it's coming from.
0: Yes and no. The only individual involved in the zoo in any capacity of the means to fund it was Gill. At this time, his company that previously held the zoo license, South Lake Safari Zoo Limited, was still up and running, with both Gill and Schreiber holding positions as director. Schreiber's involvement in the veterinary side of the zoo appeared to have stopped in 2016, as that is when she stepped down as director before being reappointed a month later. So just a reading between the lines as well from a few other articles talking about she eventually stopped, you know, her uh... weird autopsies. Yeah, I was trying to think of a way to put it, but it's just quite sad. Gill owned the zoo, the land it was built on, and was possibly still funding it. As new regimes go, it was less than convincing, even if the animosity between him and Brewer appearing to be genuine. It does appear, though, that since this point in time, Gil was never again a major decision maker at South Lakes, although that is very difficult to prove. What can be confirmed is that odd events are still happening, including a former employee breaking into the zoo to steal a dozen spoonbills and two penguins. What? Well, I wrote this, right? Then a couple of weeks ago, I was just chilling and I was recommended by somebody Uh, a friend, that I might enjoy Ross Kemp's documentary about the British Tiger Kings. Now, my immediate fear was that Kemp has stolen my idea. Yeah, But it gets even better. So Ross Kemp meets a chap, some eccentric in, I think it was the West Midlands, a couple of lions, some lemurs, I think a puma. And um, he tells the story of how he came into possession of two penguins. Now, yeah. So given the timing of this and the nature of the penguins it appears that this private collector was targeted by the opportunistic thief as a way of peddling uh stolen south lakes penguins now it was reported to the police and luckily the animals were seized and the rspca managed to clean them up and give them a little bit of a breather but yeah i just thought that was an absolutely bizarre coincidence you know that um the the man who was the, the inadvertent recipient of Penguin Theft ended up making a documentary called The British Tiger Kings as we're doing a podcast with a very similar title.
1: Uh, yeah, that is odd. I mean, I hope the penguins don't go back to Gil.
0: I, I'm not quite sure. I mean, yeah, I hope not. I mean, the guy who was on the documentary seemed very weird, but at least a bit more well-meaning than Gil, albeit I didn't really like the way he was keeping some of his animals. Mm. But, yeah it's all a bit sad yeah and on that subject the site has officially been up for sale ever since 2018 since gill's company entered administration and the most recent development in the story was that in november 2020 a buyer has been found now there's been sort of hints around this post coronavirus there hasn't been anything more concrete than what i'm about to tell you there's been rumor and speculation. It appears that Gill got the last laugh over Brewer, declining a bid from her and the new management team in favour of one by an as-yet-unnamed bidder, rumoured to be another northern zoo. Brewer expressed disappointment and commented that her bid was in cash, again raising the question of funding. Yeah, weird, and also
1: weird that you'd mention it's in cash,
0: you know. Well, where do you get, you know, I would imagine conservatively hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah,
1: and I, yeah, I'd yeah, put the emphasis on conservatively though in cash yes I mean yeah maybe like I don't know the maybe they all sold the business. houses maybe I mean I feel like we'd know that you know that would have been reported surely yeah you know real sign
0: of dedication to so much we care but genuinely don't know so don't want to speculate no but odd so all I'm saying Weird. is I think you know questions yeah. need to be asked I don't have the answers but I think I've got some of the questions it does seem confident about her future with her interpretation of the situation being that little will change she told the northwest evening mail that they're just our landlords and we'll just be writing a different name on the check we're not going anywhere we have a fantastic team of managers with big plans in the works it remains to be seen whether this will be the case now talking of another northern zoo you know the two immediate ones in terms of large well-run zoos in the uk maybe stretching the definition of northern a bit but edinburgh and chester right yeah Chester wouldn't touch this place with a barge pole. No, no. You know, they're held not. up as like an example of like zoological excellence in the United Kingdom. Yeah. And Edinburgh, again, they have another site. So I think it's Blair Drummond, which I used to think was Blair Cowan, but he was a Scottish rugby international. And I, I used to get the names mixed up. Um, yeah. I was like, Blair Drummond's, having a good game. A safari Park, James. Yeah. So, you know, they've got a second site. I don't know if they'd want a third, you know, and why would they want this one? yeah again Chester if they were going to expand I think buying land there's Yorkshire Wildlife Park which I don't know too much about but I've I as far as I'm aware I think is could be you know about a step in some duty by saying this but I as far as I'm aware is a well run institution I, I don't recall reading anything about Yorkshire Wildlife Park which made me concerned in any way so you, you just think is this some private collector who's bought it does this bid exist is this somebody coming in for the land? Like, genuine? I don't
1: actually know. Or is it genuinely there is a large northern zoo and we're completely wrong? Yeah, I mean, it does make you wonder, like, is this bid open to my like a property developer take it and just boot the zoo off? I, I don't really know I'm what not the sure. law is on that. And you think you talk about distressed assets.
0: You know, this is a distressed asset full of distressed assets. In the most literal sense of the word. Now... I know that throughout this, you've had one real concern, Jordi. I know it's not the animals. I know it's not the people. I know it's not the impact on a poor area of the country which needs support rather than to be in the headlines for this. I know what you're really worried about is how does David Gill feel having gone through these experiences? (laughs) I mean, is he okay? Well, in case you were worried that anything that you've heard about has uh, in any way dented Gill's confidence, then worry not despite the slew of accusations allegations and court procedures brought against him gill appears to be utterly lacking in remorse or willing to take much in the way of responsibility for what had happened in the 2018 interview given to the northwest evening mail which can only be described as cloyingly sycophantic in contrast to many excellent and balanced pieces that paper has written on him so you know i don't want to just damn but this this one individual interview a lot of what we've talked about was known at the point of it and it was uh Oh, David, you know, your, your life has been so exciting. Tell us more.
1: Read if me you your mean, book.
0: Tell me about when you shot that rhino. <laughs> so the disgraced former owner gave a few takes that were not so much hot as thermonuclear. He does accept that he has, in the past, had his fair share of bad publicity. Good of
1: him? Yeah, I mean, that's putting it in the nicest way possible.
0: Learning and growing, learning and growing. But then, bizarrely, tries to imply that this was all part of some publicity-generating master plan, saying, I'm just going to quote this directly, because no spin I can put on it can do anything like the justice of the direct quote. If you've ever watched The Greatest Showman, the main character called a controversy, and no one would go to a circus
1: unless they were interested. In a way, that's what I did. Well, that's disgusting. Was Sarah MacLeod just controversial? Well, yeah,
0: you know, perhaps the real PD e. Barnum, a slave owning con man, would be a more apt comparison. But even his most ardent supporters would struggle to argue that sexual harassment cases, safety violations, escaped animals, hundreds of dead animals, and a dead human being were part of a scheme to attract visitors. Cause if they were, there is no possible justification for why this man is not in prison. Genuinely, if that's the argument you want to take, yeah. David, that you did all yeah. of this to get people through the gates then... Is that an
1: admission? Yeah. These aren't accidents anymore, are they?
0: Yeah. And, you know, I realistically, obviously they weren't done deliberately. You know, obviously this is just more bullshit from a desperate man losing control or, and you're trying to cling on to what little grasp of the narrative he has left. I think I, I could have mustered some vestige of respect for him. If he'd sat down mm-hmm. and said, I've got it all horribly wrong, I started out with good intentions, it got beyond me, I did some stuff I'm not proud of, you know what I mean, this is who I am, this is what I did. You know, you, you, you go to an extent, you know, you can, you can respect that on a level.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: There is this utter lack of acceptance of the consequences of his actions because he has not been forced to face the consequences of his actions. He's just a prick, really, isn't he? He is an exercise in escaping culpability. Just a real, real garbage person. Or is his last two minutes probably haven't been very funny to listen to. You know, equally, I spent several weeks of my life reading about this man running a zoo and other human beings' lives into the ground. So, you know,
1: i suffered, so so will you. It, I mean, it's absolutely necessary to understand i'm just going to carry on but unchastened by what had gone before
0: gill was ready for a new venture a ranch in which he claims he will provide a western style world heritage horse experience western style world heritage something of a contradiction in terms of <laughs> i mean i suppose that's probably like business buzzwords speak from imperialism isn't it the western style world heritage hello kenya would you like some western heritage that you didn't ask for
1: <laughs> oh yeah right i'm not being I mean, ready. horses it... are more simple than most animals i still wouldn't want them there i'm not gonna lie horses can be quite you need to maintain a horse properly you can't just put
0: it in a pen and walk off no no absolutely not right, i was just saying 200 years ago david gill was definitely you know like a rogue agent of the east india trading
1: company wasn't he oh uh, yeah I don't see anything more perfect. He was the only person I'd genuinely go along with if he said, I was born too late. Like, I genuinely think that's like a bullshit thing to say because technology has made life better. He's the only person I'd believe in if he said, I was born too late. What do I love? Travel, shooting animals,
0: dubious moral homophobia. decisions.
1: Dubious moral decisions,
0: homophobia. <laughs> the British Raj was crying out for a David Gill. Actually, no, it definitely was, and it had a lot of people like that, but there was room for one more. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I suppose it's a positive thing. 200 years ago, he'd been getting a Victoria Cross, and now he's getting court orders to please, please, please stop trying to look after animals.
1: This is progress. This is progress. We're not quite at prison yet. You know, maybe give it 20 more years of progress. Society has moved forward. Maybe not as much as we would like, and
0: it's not perfect, and we shouldn't pat ourselves on the back. But it has moved forward as evidenced by the fact that we're not addressing this podcast as David Gill VC <laughs> in the Great Rhino War of Cumbria. Oh, Jesus. Right. Okay. David obviously wanted to escape the uh, you know, negative publicity that he'd attached to his name, so made the cunning, cunning pseudonym of David Rivera. See what he did there? Yeah. Yeah. Smart. Now, he did look likely to get the go-ahead before a group of local farmers banded together and managed to have his application overturned due to concerns over road access and lack of supporting infrastructure. Just get him on a technicality. Don't yeah. really care how it happens.
1: Yeah, like whatever you're going to do. I don't like farmers. it.
0: Yeah. So, the Northwest Evening Mail article reporting this has some absolute gold in the comments section. Now, it's not quite on par with the Amazon one, you know, because... <laughs> the best. But, what is frankly but there is an individual calling themselves dalton lad who alleges that gill had threatened to shoot his dogs twice before going on to allege that he knew that gill believed andiana jones to be a real person and had indeed named his son after him
1: oh, i mean it's we so touched true. on this before yeah it's so true i really hope this is all true i wouldn't bet against it i mean no the guy's a fucking moron Yeah. Poor kid. Yeah. Poor kid named after Indiana
0: Jones. So as we come to the end of this, it feels fitting to leave the last words to Gil himself. The Guardian reported that Gil seems to see himself as the ultimate victim of the turmoil at South Lakes. And he said, it is awful to be subjected to this because in all these years, we've had the most fantastic record and support. I'm honestly of the opinion that Gil believes this to be true. I mean, it's up to you as listeners. And you, Geordie, to draw your own conclusions about David Gill, the British Tiger King. Jesus, you know, like it's awful to be subjected to this, because in all these years you've had the most fantastic record and support.
1: Fuck off, mate. Yeah, I, I've not just spent five hours of my life being sad, because you have a perfect record. The support I can kind of buy, because you've got to yeah, wait this for a long time. Yes, yeah, support. He's got it coming, you know, out of his arsehole. A fantastic record. No, some of the animals
0: were alive when I left. <laughs> the ones that we you know, small and fast-moving, and
1: difficult to hit. Well, except for the ones that are small, fast-moving, and get behind a radiator. Yeah, when you're in that golden spot of too big for a radiator, but too small for a clear shot. <laughs> They're all alive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that very specific animal grouping
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> got away the lightest. So, yeah, five hours of David Gill, How are you feeling?
1: So Sass. <laughs> I can't believe he's, I can't believe he's out on the streets. So he's out in the roads. He's out in the countryside, and he's probably armed. I mean, yeah, like one thing I do fully believe is that he probably said he'd shoot dogs. I've gotten, we've got no proof for that post, but he has shot a lot of other animals. That's all I will say. He's- all I'm going to say is, you know, it wouldn't be the first animals he's shot. No. No, they would not.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, was it how you expected it to be? I mean,
1: in some ways, yes, but in many, much, much worse. Yeah. I mean... Like, I've got to be honest, I never expected the level of, like, animal death. i just say he was the British Joe Exotic. Yeah. I just didn't expect it to go so far. I, I certainly didn't expect human death. Yeah, that that's fucking awful. I didn't expect a zoo to keep going after a human death.
0: Also, not great. Well, Um, no, I'm not saying the necessary should be shut down, you know, because if it was a well-run institution and it genuinely was a freak failing or somebody letting themselves into a cage, if it was as it was apparently in David Gill's warped mind, Mm. then you know, yeah, but. If it was the the house which you designed was badly done and you lied about it to the world media, or at least national media, hours after this poor woman, well, you know, well, she's still fighting for her life. Yeah. And you're out there already trying to put the blame onto her. Mm -hmm. I I You know, I think he is a morally bankrupt, sleazy opportunist, and unfortunately, other than financially, he appears to have largely escaped consequences for his actions. So, doubtlessly, there'll be a part six at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean, whether it's tomorrow, a year's time, ten years' time, there will be a part six.
0: Yeah. One thing is, if you live in Cumbria, you know, maybe invest in steel window shutters. Watch (laughs) out gills about. So,
1: you've made me very sad. Yep. Thank you for that.
0: That's all right. Now, if you two listening would like more opportunities to be sad, Follow us on Twitter at Septic Isle Pod. There'll be uh, links to new episodes. Uh, We're thinking of doing a couple of bonus things. Um, Again, depending on how things go, there might be opportunity for sort of Patreon, um, potentially a bit of merchandise. There's a few sort of really interesting ideas we're having at the moment. We're going to try and float them out to you guys, see what people like. But yeah, you know, give us your likes, give us your subscribes, give us your money. If enough of you are willing to sign up to pay, I might even do happy episodes because as I said previously, the model I see this podcast following is drug dealing. And if you want happiness, you will have to pay for it.
1: Uh, I'd like that, please. I want happiness. <laughs> it's my therapy or something. No, you're helping me do more content. <laughs> <laughs> we do the
0: David Gill autobiography read-along.
1: Yeah, but I, I am you know, down to do that. To be fair. That'll cheer you up. <laughs> That'll make me so
0: happy. You'll get to learn how it really feels to gun down your own livestock. <laughs> right. Right, well, Geordie, it has been a wild, wild ride. Um, Anything you want to plug, promote, follows, Instagrams, anything like that? Go to any other zoo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just support a good zoo.
0: Walk around the zoo. If you notice anything behind the radiator that shouldn't be there, leave that zoo text me (laughs) report them
1: but before reporting them report them to me if you think there's an episode in it yeah (laughs) don't do anything before i have a look and see if there's an episode now that may sound callous but david gill has taught me some lessons and i
0: feel on that slightly Awful point. Uh, it probably sums up the abject misery we've churned for in the last few hours. So it just remains to me to say thank you, Geordie Paul. It's been a genuine pleasure having you on.
1: Uh, thanks for having me. It's been... Hmm, it's been good in come, a way. You'll come crawling back for the next one. I mean, I will. It's been a good laugh, except for all the death. Yeah, except for
0: all the awful, awful, awful bits. Uh, massive thank you to all listeners as well. We know this is the first series. They are difficult. We're aware that there are bits we try to improve as going along you may have noticed the triple figures of your nose that i got into on the first episode we've tried to cut that down but um again we're eager for your feedback we're really wanting this to be a long-running thing and we are so immensely grateful for your support for your listening your follows sharing anything you can do to sort of show some love for and to promote the pod we we love you and we think you're great and we would never ever shoot at you with a rhino gun so, unless you will lose i mean look if they're loose geordie <laughs> we're not responsible no. but once they escape the podcast boundaries <laughs> then that's it but um <laughs> all it remains for me to say is don't be david gill do follow us on twitter at septic Isle pod and uh thank you and good night